0: One of the things that we pray when we pray the Lord's Prayer is we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we say this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as I was thinking about that prayer, the the question came to my mind, you know, is that really our hope? Do we really long for the kingdom to come? Now, in some sense, it's already come with Christ's first coming. It's growing. But but do we really long for the return of the king? Some of you might know, but uh, my wife's grandparents uh, lived to be 106 and 103 years old. Okay? They were Canadian, they were christian that they, they were married for catch this seventy nine years seventy nine years seventy of those happy ones but uh <laughs> <laughs> but but as they got up there in, in age, they used to joke with one another, you know all their contemporaries, all their friends, had already died, and some of them maybe had gone to heaven, so they used to joke the longer they lived, they thought that their friends were in heaven saying, well, they just maybe didn't make it, you know, that, that kind of thing. But as they got older and as their bodies began to break down, they, they really, in some sense, longed to go home and be with Jesus. Or, or they longed for Jesus to come back and, and, and to make this world right again. Is that our mindset? See, my guess is, is that for most of us, It's not. We don't think much about the return of Jesus or long for his return, partly because maybe we're younger and we're thinking, you know, I got a lot of life ahead of me that I still uh, want to live. Or to be honest, it's hard for us to believe as, you know, the apostle Paul says in Philippians, he says, for me to live is Christ, In other words, if God grants me many more years on this earth, I I, I follow Jesus. But then he says to die, to die is gain. Sometimes it's hard for us to believe that. But I think we also don't long for his return or don't think about it much is because we don't want to be labeled as end times people. And I say that with all humility, but you know people who or always maybe obsessed with the signs and the end time, and maybe they've even predicted a date. Because the truth is, is when it comes to the Lord's return, we can only know for certain two things, right? Number one, it's going to happen. And secondly, we don't know when. But to ignore the, the return of Jesus... To live as if that's not going to happen and and to not be ready is also a mistake. And that's exactly what we see in in the Bible, in a parable that Jesus told. We're finishing our series that we've done this summer over Jesus' parables. And in this parable, Jesus talks about his return and how we're to live in light of it. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 35, uh, or you can follow along with me as we see it on the screen. Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 35. Jesus says this. He says, "'Be dressed and ready for service,' And keep your lamps burning like men waiting for their master or uh, their employer to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. I tell you the truth, he will dress himself to serve. He will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the second or the third watch of the night. And then in verse 42, we read, You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour that you do not expect him and so what is Jesus teaching us here in this parable well hopefully you you notice that his point is not to help us figure out when he will return it's not to help us find that great day but the emphasis is on how that great day will find us will we be ready Will we be following Jesus? Will we be doing his will? Always imperfectly, of course, but will we be doing his will here on earth? And I think that Jesus here in this parable gives us just some clues of how we're to live until he returns. And so first of all, you noticed in verse 36, he says this, he says, be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Okay, and by the way, to my kids out there, that's not saying leave the lights on when you leave a room. Just FYI. It's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. Okay. But Jesus here, he, he uses an illustration of a master who goes away to a wedding banquet, and it's interesting that Jesus has him away even late at night. Why? Why well, think. It's just symbolic of how we experience nighttime on a human level. You see, it's at night that we naturally get sleepy. And so he says, stay awake, stay alert. And obviously, he doesn't mean don't sleep again until he returns. That that would be, of course, physically impossible. No, I think what he means is that there is a spiritual sleepiness. There's a spiritual drowsiness, if you will. There's a spiritual laziness that we can fall into when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God that we need to fight against. And so what does it mean to be spiritually asleep? Well, one thing that it might mean is to not long for him to come back and and to heal this broken world. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but this world (laughs) is not what it's supposed to be, right? Hopefully that is evident to you. And a guy named Neil Plantiga wrote a book called Engaging God's World. And in it, he talks about the return of Jesus. And I found this book very interesting. And in it, he says this. He says, the second coming is good news for people's lives who are filled with bad news. If you're a slave in Pharaoh's Egypt or in the southern United States, in the early 19th century or living under Jim Crow, if you're a woman living in a culture where when your husband gets mad at you, he can beat you, then you don't yawn when somebody mentions the return of Jesus Christ. The second coming of Jesus means that justice, justice will fill the earth and compassionate Christians should want that. Compassionate Christians should want that. See, Planting is saying, if we're not longing for the return of Jesus because our lives here are too comfortable and there's nothing wrong with prosperity, there's nothing wrong with being comfortable, then he says, though, that we need to look around to the world and get involved in lives that aren't. It's one of the reasons why one of my roles here at The Crossing is I'm a missions pastor. And so I get to hear stories from our missionaries, all the missionaries that we support and what we send out and read their newsletters. And I get to hear about the needs of the world. And to be honest with you, I need to hear about those needs. I need to hear those stories. We send teams out to build houses. We send missionary teams to countries like Honduras and Guatemala and, and, and Jamaica and, and Japan. And, and, and Ron Widman, who's one of our missionaries in Guatemala, he, a couple of weeks ago, he sent me this picture right here. And what you're seeing, this is a family in, in Guatemala that we're involved with. And you'll notice there's no husband involved. The husband is an alcoholic. He's left the family. It's this mom and her kids. She's living in a shack. That's a dirt floor. They don't have electricity. There's no running water in this house. That They build, in order to cook food, she, the food that they have, she builds a fire. The smoke goes up into the room. Your life expectancy is very short if you're in this kind of living condition but because people here at the crossing go because people go on teams because there's people here at the crossing give we were able to build this family this house right here that's pretty incredible And there are stories and stories like that going on in houses that we're building and and things that we're doing to help people's needs throughout the world. Oh, my prayer for our church is that we would never lose sight of the needs of the world and people's need for Jesus. And we're to long for him to come back And make everything right again. Long for him to come and wipe away every tear. Long for him to come and to heal every disease and sickness. Long for him to come back and heal our own bodies. And heal our own hearts of the sin that we still struggle with as Christians. Don't you ever just get kind of sick and tired of your sin? (laughs) You know, you've been a Christian for maybe 30 years, and yeah, you've made some progress towards being like Christ, but you still struggle with some of the same same things? Are we longing for Jesus to come back? Well, Jesus says, stay awake. Fight against spiritual laziness. Keep your eyes open to the needs of the world and live your life in light of eternal realities. Live your life in light of eternal realities. But the second thing that he tells us to do is really found in in verse 43. We don't have time to look at it where in essence, Jesus says this. He says, when he comes again, Be found doing what he's called us to do. In essence, he says, be found doing the will of God. And so what is the will of God for our lives? Well, there are many things that we can say when it comes to the revealed will of God for our lives. The apostle Paul puts it this way when he's talking to the Thessalonians about the Lord's return. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, he says this, It is God's will. Okay, so you don't need to pray about this. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, he says. In other words, set apart for Christ. He's bought you at a price. You are now his. And so he goes on, he says that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and and honorable, not impassionate lust like the unbelievers who do not know God. And there's a lot of other sins, right, (laughs) that we could put on that list. Envy, gossip, slander lying and so are there some things in our lives are there some areas that Jesus has his finger on that we know that aren't pleasing to him our savior And we're not talking about perfection here, but are we fighting against sin? Are we repenting and turning away from the things that we know will darken our souls and not lead to the kind of life that Jesus wants for us? Martin Luther used to say that the normal Christian life, the normal Christian life is a life of ongoing repentance. It's a life of repentance. But finally, in the main way that we stay spiritually awake, that, that we fight against spiritual laziness, it is by simply using the gifts that God has given us to help us grow in our faith. It's by using the gifts that God has given us to help us grow in our faith. See, one of the things that we know uh, about the early church, you can read about it in Acts chapter 2, but the very first church in Jerusalem was a very large church. Peter goes there, he preaches the gospel and and it says that the Holy Spirit, Spirit accompanied that message and people were convicted of their sin, they repented and they put their faith in Christ and they became Christians. It was a large church. And because they now had this new relationship with Jesus, there were some things that they were known for. There were some things that they were devoted to. And so, for example, it says that they devoted themselves to the hearing of God's word. They devoted themselves to the study of God's word. They met in people's homes. They met in public to do that. And just a little plug here, that this fall we've got tons of of women's studies and men's studies that are kicking off. Wherever you're at in your faith, whether you know very little or you've been a Christian for a long time, there is a study here at the Crossing for you. I'd encourage you to get involved in something. They were known for studying God's word. They They were devoted to Prayer. They were devoted to the Lord's Supper. But they were also, what I want you to see, is that they were devoted to community with one another. Which means that they they loved one another. And they forgave one another. And they cared for one another. And they prayed for one another. And they helped carry each other's burdens. Look, we all have burdens in life that we have to carry, that God has given us. By his grace, we have to do that. But there comes times in our lives where the burden gets so great that we need someone else, another Christian, to come alongside us and help us to carry that burden. They did that. For one another they devoted themselves to community with one another but I've got to be honest with you you know some of you out there are maybe thinking and actually this is me thinking this but I'm projecting like it's you thinking this but it's it's, I have this same thought and the thought is is can't I just have Jesus Can't I have Christianity without Christians, right? It it would be so much easier, especially, right, as we go online. I'm not talking so much about the community here at The Crossing, but right, we go online and we follow Christians and and, and everything has become so political, and everyone out there is fighting over everything, and you see Christians just attacking one another, and, 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 and even Christian leaders I, that I follow online that I have a lot of respect for, that I see them making arguments and making straw man arguments against other people and, and putting words in people's mouths and saying, well, you must believe this and, and all of these kind of things, and it's, it's ugly, I'm just on Twitter. I have no I have no idea what's going on on Facebook. I'm clueless. But it's ugly out there. Even among Christian leaders, Francis Schaeffer Francis Schaeffer used to say or wrote that one of the, he almost left the Christian faith. And what kept him in the Christian faith, what kept him from leaving, is he kept coming back to the resurrection and the proof of the resurrection that more than 500 people saw the risen Christ. That kept him coming back. But the reason why he almost left the Christian faith was because when he looked around, he saw the lack of love that Christian leaders have for one another. Francis Schaeffer. I think that there's a huge need For repentance in the church. There's a lot of things wrong. I I think that there is a huge need in the church for leaders and and for people that, that we need humility. We need humility. We we need to answer one another with gentle answers and show compassion and show love and show kindness to other people. There's a huge need for that. There's a lot of things wrong with the church, let's be honest. But we need the church, we need each other, we need community. That's how God has designed us to grow and for us to make it in the Christian life. We won't make it without others. We won't. We won't make it without others in the Christian life. Maybe, we're, maybe it's just one person, one Christian who stood up and said, I'm gonna follow Christ. Come along with me. Maybe it's on your dorm or in a fraternity or in your, in your job. You just need one, somebody to help you right be a follower of Jesus and the church is how we primarily how we primarily serve with the gifts that God has given us remember paul in galatians 6:10 says he says this he says do good to everyone do good to all but especially to those of the family of believers let's be honest right we're all involved in some kind of community right if you think about your life community isn't hard for us you know we're we're involved in maybe we play golf with a bunch of people or we're a member of crossfit or we play tennis there's wine clubs that are out there. There's all these online communities. One of the things that I've noticed recently is there's this grilling community that's out there and so everybody's going out and they're, they're buying these Traeger grills and so they cook their meat and then they show what they, you know, and they have community over and they talk about their different grills and share recipes with one another. There's all kinds of communities. There's communities that exist out there that I had no idea even existed. But I had no idea. You know, I I mentioned about a year ago in a sermon that during the pandemic, my family, uh, we ended up buying a dog. Fifteen days later, we sold that dog. Okay, we... (laughs) Yes, we're those people, right? We are not dog people. Well, Labor Day weekend, after we had sold a dog, uh, we were out uh, eating on our deck. And um, this cat, never seen this cat before, came up on our deck and just joined us for dinner, you know. And my kids immediately said, "Oh, look, it's a stray cat!" And when I looked at the cat, I thought, "That's that's." I grew up in the country. That's not what a stray cat looks like. That cat's pretty been pretty well fed. It didn't have a collar. So my kids start feeding the cat, and the cat sticks around. So we put a collar on the cat. I think we have a picture of him. If you want to pull up Cooper, that's Cooper right, right there. Okay. So we put this collar on right there with our phone number. Okay. Uh, Two weeks later, this lady calls us and she says, you've got my cat. (laughs) And we realized that she lives two streets away from us. Okay. So when the leaves fell in the fall, I looked out the back deck and that's her house. The cat lives right there. And so we said, okay, this is what we do. We won't feed the cat anymore. And hopefully he'll go home back to the owner. Uh, The cat never left, okay? So the lady was very gracious to us. She was very kind. She already had a cat. And she said, if he wants to stay with you, he can. And so this cat stuck around. What I want you to know, and what I told my family is this. I am a pastor in this community And our family stole someone else's cat. We literally did that. That's how we ended up with Cooper in our lives. But over the past year, we have grown to love this cat. We're crazy about this cat. This cat sleeps in my sock drawer. We cut short a vacation this summer to get home. Just We were at the beach to get home to see the cat. And one of the things that I found out is that there's this whole cat community out there that exists. I had no idea. And so people in the cat community, they share videos online. I shared a video online. We have conversations with other people about our cat. There's toys and special foods that, that you can buy uh, for your cat. We even have, there's a magazine out there that someone, <laughs> someone here in the church signed me up for. It's called Caster. <laughs> the tagline says, living with Cattitude." Catitude. And every month, I can't wait to get my, my edition of Catster because you learn really good things. Like last month, I learned that if you pet your cat and his, his tail starts going like that, he doesn't like it. That's good to know, right? That's very, that's very helpful. We like being part of the cat community. It fits us. Well, how much more, you know where I'm going with this, How much more should we love the church and being part of this community with all its messiness, with all its ugliness, with all its sin? Truth is, God loves the church so much so that Jesus died for the church. That's how much God loves the church. And we've all been given gifts by God, not to just be used for ourselves, but to be used for his glory. And he wants us to use our talents and our money and our time to serve the church and others to further his kingdom and help the church become what it's supposed to be here on this earth. See, Jesus says, be faithful with the gifts be faithful with the tasks that i have given you until i return and if we do he makes us this incredible promise i don't know if you notice this but he says that when he comes again in the new heaven and the new earth when he transforms this world it says this i don't understand it but he says he's going to be the one who's going to serve us going to wait on us it's an incredible promise Jesus is a servant and so should we be as well he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many which means that in his first coming judgment day fell on him for our sins so it won't have to fall on us. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And Jesus says, if I'm your hope, if you're dressed, catch this, in the clothes I give you, if you're dressed in my righteousness and not your own, In other words, if you come to Jesus with all these good works that you've done and say, hey, Jesus, it's time to pay up. You owe me. No, Jesus says, if you come in in the clothes I give you, my righteousness, then you don't need to fear the day when I return. We can look forward to it with gladness. We could long for it. But Jesus says, be faithful. Doing what I've called you to do until I come again. Would you pray with me? Lord, I pray that you would help us to long for the kingdom to come. But Lord, more importantly, help us to long for the King. It's good to be with Jesus, the one who satisfies our souls, our Savior, our Lord. Jesus, I pray that you would give us grace to fight against sin, Give us grace to stay faithful to you simply doing your will, what you've called us to do, until you come back. We love you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.